0: Welcome to Talk Purpose and Truth, shifting you into higher consciousness, a show that elevates, uplifts, and encourages listeners to grow, heal, awaken, and evolve. Eden and Kim include bold topics, interviews with inspiring guests, experts, and celebrities, intuitive readings, channeled messages, mental health awareness, and hot topics to expand your awareness. Tune in for unprecedented truth, Authenticity, on-purpose discussions, and magical moments.
1: We have a quick announcement from Volunteer Network OC and their upcoming event. Hi, I'm here with the Director of Volunteer Network OC, Maria Galasso. Yes, we brought her back because we love them and we're getting more and more involved with the awesome work they do and we'll be at their upcoming event. So Maria, happy to have you here.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Kim. Thanks so much for your support. Um, I just wanna let everyone know that Volunteer Network OC brings volunteers together with nonprofit organizations in Orange County helping individuals and families in extreme poverty or experiencing homelessness. We have a free app available at Google Play or the App Store. And all you have to do is download the app, register, search events, and with one click, you're signed up and ready to volunteer.
1: Yeah, and it's so easy. If you wanna just do an hour a month or wanna do up to like 30 hours a month, the app makes it really easy to go and do that. And then what about the upcoming golf tournament, which Stars the celebrity guest Craig Shoemaker, who was on our show, and we, our podcast, will be there as
2: well. Oh, we're so happy you're going to be joining us that day. So, on July 27th, we'll be hosting our first annual golf challenge, Par for the Cause. At Strawberry Farms in Irvine. And we're so excited to be partnering with another great nonprofit organization, the Power of One Foundation. And if you don't golf, no problem. As you mentioned, we're gonna be hosting an incredible community outreach event, which includes lunch and the amazing comedian Craig Shoemaker.
1: Awesome. And then raffle and silent auction too, right?
2: oh yes we'll be having an online auction and also some raffle items and these really special items it's just going to be a really amazing day
1: awesome well i'm excited and i know you are and thanks for being here and don't forget everyone to download the volunteer network app
2: thanks so much
1: and hello everybody welcome back to talk purpose and truth podcast
3: it's kim hi eden Hi, Kim. Uh, thank you for to everybody for listening to another great episode uh, that we have for you. We're excited about the next guest.
1: Yes, it's, it's been really exciting. We've had so many global people listening as well as local people, so that's exciting. We've even had a lot of people in the Ukraine because of mm. our past episodes, so that's very exciting. Uh, I'm going to go right into introducing our guest because he's so intriguing So Derek Loudermilk is a best-selling author, adventurer, quantum business coach, speaker, father, founder of Adventure Quest Travel and the Derek Loudermilk Show. So he has a podcast as well, show. So welcome, Derek.
0: Hey, Kim and Eden. Great to be here. Thanks for having me.
3: Thanks for being here. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go right into it. So there's something in your, on your website that you say um, that all the scripts have that were running your life. And this is back in, I think it was 2014, all the scripts that were running your life uh, had dissolved and you had become a man with no identity, which I, we can both relate to Kim and I, Uh, but you realized for your future, um, your future was full of infinite possibilities because of that. so can you just tell us a little bit about that? what exactly happened? what's the story behind that?
0: yeah, there's a couple there's a couple key moments to that story and one was this sort of very low moment where i was all by myself in the middle of nowhere in the jungle and i had spent 2 days on the floor with food poisoning and i knew that nobody was coming to take care of me or, you know, give me a helping hand because I didn't, I didn't know anybody, uh, you know, the local people. Um, and this was after a year of basically everything falling apart in my life. You know, first I had a traumatic uh, near fatal brain, uh, blood clot, oh. and I ended up dropping out of my PhD program. I ended up dropping out of grad school. I lost my house in a flood. I got divorced and then to cap it all off, you know, here I was in the middle of nowhere, uh sick and you know thinking like if I die, you know, nobody would know for days probably. Oh. Wow. And you, you know, in those moments, uh one can or I I was thinking like, you know, like what <laughs> what am I doing here? How did I get to this this point where I'm just all by myself in the middle of nowhere? And um you know, as as with many many things like eventually my body healed itself and i was able to get some rice from a nice local person and i nursed my my, my own self back to health and then a, a couple of weeks later there was this moment uh, i was riding my motor scooter and i had stopped to watch the surf to you know watching the waves to see if i wanted to go out for a surfing session and i had this strange feeling And it's still hard to describe, but it was a feeling of, I am not just myself. I am, I am no person. I, I, you know, I have essentially no history. I have no path in front of me since everything disappeared. And it, it felt very calm. It felt very peaceful to be a man without a history or without an identity. And, you know, I spent mm, probably a few days or, or up to a week in this space where I, you know, really wasn't anything where I was, could could go any direction. And that's a very powerful place to be in uh, because for me, it was, it was full of possibility. You know, I could just pick and choose to go anywhere. I could decide to be anything. And, um, you know, after that pretty much the next thing I was doing was uh, diving into the world of business and podcasting. And, and uh, that was eight years ago now, which kicked kick the part of the journey off that I that I am today
3: mm-hmm. wow well, well I want to go back and ask so you did you truly have a brain tumor
0: no it was a blood clot a blood clot brain. that's
3: what you said blood clot in the brain so and you okay so and you healed you self-healed
0: that um that's the the clot itself um was so so big and massive it was like 10 inches long or something yeah you know, one of the main so that there's two hemispheres of the brain the blood pools together into uh, there's two different veins that sort of the blood leaves through and one of them was blocked <clears throat> and a year later they said uh, it's still there it'll be there forever like it'll slowly dissolve over decades and other vessels will come around it and the body will uh, you know find a way and then three years later I. Um, I got vertigo and just, I was, made me scared. So I had another brain image and it was totally gone. My brain was totally back to normal. And I thought, well, how about that? Uh, (laughs) stop paying attention. And and it goes back to normal.
3: You know, that's such a metaphor too, for life. It really is. Uh And instead of, you know, trying to fix or force or control something That you want to be different you just let it go and let it flow and yeah everything kind of falls into place easier said than done but you did it
0: (laughs) well i um you know this so when when you have a blood blood class um it's, it's way more common in women it's like one in a million for this to happen to men um but they put you on blood thinners which are dangerous Uh, in their own right, it's rat poison is really what it is. And you have to not take too much or you'll die. And if you don't take enough, then they tell you you'll die. And I was like, you know, this is just such a and I felt like I was being brainwashed into like you are gonna be in this predicament for the rest of your life. And at some point I was just like, ah, screw it, you know, like I'm I'm pretty healthy. Uh I had already gotten over my fear of death at that point. I was like, I'm I'm happy with the life that I've lived. So I'm just going to be as healthy as i can and i feel so much better not having to take a medication daily uh yeah
1: wow that's powerful stuff did you feel like because i've had that too kind of the same thing where it's almost like a hyper awareness of being at one with everything in the universe and like looking at your whole timeline and what does everything really mean and all of that stuff mm-hmm. and sometimes I find it fascinating sometimes it almost feels trippy because it's so outside what we as humans feel you know so you go back and forth like okay well I gotta stay grounded so how did you feel during that time like were you fascinated the whole time or did it scare you
0: yeah it was just a very very peaceful blissful thing where I wasn't overthinking it I'm the type of person that Uh, my whole life, I've spent thinking analytically. And so it's easy for me to fall into uh, thinking, you know, thinking and overthinking and rethinking about things. And so it was, um, it was a nice reprieve from that, as I recall, and I've come close to that from time to time again. um, Now that I'm saying this, you know, it's, it's, uh, someone else was just telling me about, they, they call it a samadhi experience. And I'm wondering if that's, what uh what it should be labeled as
3: explain that (laughs)
0: uh this yeah this so this was um i was talking to aaron abke he has a spiritual youtube channel and he said i had this you know i was working as a personal trainer and i had this samadhi experience and it was he explained it as uh non-duality sort of a sense of connectedness Mm -hmm. and i i just don't think i had the the language or the spiritual understanding at that point to, to be able to place it in any sort of context. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm saying it, it seems like it might've been something like that.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. We'll have
3: to, we'll have to research that some more. I have heard of that, but I didn't really know exactly what it was. That's, I mean, and what you're describing too. I mean, I think Kim and I in our own personal lives are experiencing things that are, can be Mm -hmm. described the same way. So now that we have a name for it.
0: And and it's like the, so the ego dissolves and you're like, Oh, mm-hmm. I did great. You know, I finally dissolved my ego. Well then that's the ego talking. And then you're like right back in mm-hmm. to the, uh, the duality. If you, if you want to put it that way.
3: Yeah. It's very complex. Yeah. <laughs>
1: All right, well, speaking of complex, um, Derek has traveled all over the world and through dimensions on a quest to understand the nature of the universe, and on this journey, he learned and experimented with more than 50 metaphysical, spiritual, and healing techniques, so we thought that was really intriguing and fascinating, and we we kind of went, okay, which ones do we feel like we would want to know more about and our listeners? And one of them that we have had come up a lot lately for us and with some of the past guests is the time travel. And you wrote that you have experienced time travel and time dilations. So can you explain how that was for you?
0: Yeah. And the way that I'm looking at these experiments is often, how can I apply this? In my normal sort of 3D life, how can I apply this to entrepreneurship? I'm coaching a lot of entrepreneurs, and one thing that I hear is I don't have enough time, or I feel like I, I'm so busy. I wish there were more hours in the day. And I thought, okay, uh, I had heard that various people are, I had heard that various people are using time dilation or time travel to accomplish more. So I said, that sounds that sounds pretty great. Let's, let's try that. And um, it's actually fairly straightforward to to do. And, but, but yet hard because we are so tied to our appointments in the day, because we live by, you know, we, I have to pick my kids up from school. I have to meet you guys for this podcast of a, of a time that we agreed. And so I want to keep those appointments and when I, when I don't have an appointment, I want to have all the, the time in the world that I can. And so the way that I approached it was, um, in, in those times, I want to be operating outside of space and time, which are, if you think back to the early, uh, megaliths, like uh, Stonehenge and the pyramids, those were establishing space time coordinates, partly. Mm -hmm. so that you can begin to control the experience of space and time. Like you you have a map. Okay, here's where we are on the map. Now we understand the the topography, the terrain. Um, So here's space. And then we're keeping track of the time. So now we have control over that as well. And so in a sense, this construct that we've agreed upon is controlling our perception of it. And so it's really about... uh, how you place your perception. So, so the first thing I did was just stop looking at the clock
3: mm-hmm. and I
0: would give myself um, and, and because physics backs this all up, right? Time and space um, can collapse into a single point. Uh, you, you, from the fifth dimension, you can sort of observe all time collapsed into a single point. So it should be possible to have the lived experience, the human experience of uh, time fluidity. But I asked myself, how would I construct that experience for myself? And the, so it, I started from a feeling state of I have enough time. I get everything done on time. Uh, I arrive on time. I'm in the right place at the right time. All of these things have a, a feeling for me. And so I practiced that feeling. Of what it's like to to have that. It's a it's a feeling of um, you know, when you when you wrap up a project uh and you're like, oh great, I got it done in time. That's great. You know, so there's this um it's a it's almost a feeling of achievement in some way, of of just like ease, ease and flow with the universe. Um and then so I would do activities. I would go to the gym and say, Okay, I want all the time. I I want to do a three-hour workout, but I only have an hour before dinner, and I want time to expand for me to have my full workout so I can get it done. And I would make sure, you know, not to look at the clock, but instead to live in that feeling state. And the first time I tried it, it worked like a charm. Uh, you know, I got home dinner was just finishing up and I was like, Oh, this is amazing. So, so I tried the the next day. Um, I had to pick up my kids from school, but we were going on a sort of a full day cycling adventure and there was a lot of you know unexpected turns and um we had a flat tire i believe and so it was just like a lot of unknowns and we had to you know get get back the hour drive back to pick up my kid and the, the coolest thing happened was we were neither early nor late we were precisely on time because i was walking up to the gate and my son was walking out and so there was all those people that had parked and they were waiting there for 10 minutes to pick up their kids. They were early. And then there was all the people that were, you know, running behind and came there after me. But I was the only one who was precisely on time without ever looking to see that I was going to be on time.
1: Wow. Wow. Wait, so I want to ask, um, I have an example that's cool. But I want to ask, like, when you when you had experienced the gym and doing the bikes, did it feel completely like you had that three hour workout, but it really was only like on the three to three D level, like whatever, an hour?
0: Yeah, it fit in that one hour window that I had. But I know that, you know, if I ride, if I if I do, you know, an hour on the treadmill and then an hour doing free weights, uh, I know what that's like. So so. Yeah, my experience was having the full, you know, window to do my complete workout.
1: Oh, my gosh, because it it actually makes me think of Prince. And um, he was known to not believe in time and he did not have a cell phone. He would not look at the time. And that's why he would often stay up like three days in a row doing music and writing and call people like like one of our guests we had on Neil. He would call him at like four in the morning, not Mm -hmm. knowing really what time it was. And um, he lived his life like that. And you know, I mean, I, it it probably is kind of difficult. Sometimes you need assistance to get you on time to like events or something like that. But um, but I think it's interesting because a lot of it is our our mindset and beliefs about it. You know, that's that's the not enough time belief and things like that. Mm-hmm.
0: And as you as you say that, you know, there's. All kinds of other constructs that we sort of buy into collectively, which aren't necessarily facts of physics or, y- you know, they're just like, we all sort of agree that that we should be doing this. I'm trying to think of an example of like like, uh, I mean, any like language or the fact that we live in a, in a democracy and that's how things should be like, whatever it is, you know, there's just, it's the sea that we're swimming in and, yeah. t- you know, time could be the same way.
1: Yeah, it's so weird because on my on my phone in front of me, it keeps popping up time sensitive, talk purpose and truth today at one o'clock and it keeps flashing.
3: I'm like, I've never
1: seen seen that. Like, Okay, time sensitive.
3: (laughs) Wow. And then I want to know if so they there's a lot of talk right now about um, clearing timelines. Is that connected to what you're talking about?
0: This is, this wading into territory that is, is a little unwieldy for me to understand.
3: Yeah. Um,
0: but as I, as I understand it, there's, um, multiple parallel timelines happening and they're sort of based on there's like three most probable timelines and, and sort of like the infinite nature of timeline sort of collapses into these three probable ones and that if you get, if you get on one. Uh, that essentially ends with uh, like the species being extinct. That timeline would be considered a failed timeline, and that we would sort of redirect into a timeline that, uh, if we're still alive, where we're not experiencing a failed timeline. So I, I don't, I don't know how to explain it as well.
1: Yeah, uh,
3: in that it's sense. a hard one to explain. Yeah, it can
1: get, it can get real deep. I'm sure we could talk 12 hours straight.
3: which... <laughs> Would it really be 12 hours? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, according to, uh, you know, the construct source and the higher powers and all that, there's no time on the other side. It's all linear. So there's that too. And our, I think it's our ego that needs to be on time here. There's no ego there. So, okay. okay. Deep conversation that we, <laughs> we don't have time for. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm going to ask you something that... Um, it's a whole different level here so the another one of the um um modalities that i i thought was interesting and kim's like no we shouldn't talk about this but i'm I'm doing it it for is all i'm saying not (laughs) because of it (laughs) but the one i picked (laughs) um is tantric sacred sexuality can you explain what that is
0: yeah. And, and, luckily I have, um, this is, this is so funny. My, so my wife, Heidi, that's, that's, uh, our connection. She's cousins with Jackie, um, mm-hmm. who Kim you know, and so when I was manifesting my partner, when I was sort of working on who I was going to call into my life after my divorce, mm-hmm. uh, I, I specified someone that like could teach me things sexually that that was like sexually uh knowledgeable in, in a sense
3: mm-hmm.
0: and so, so this is so funny because so then Heidi was she had her list of things that she wanted to manifest in a partner and it was like you know will be a, a good husband we will be adventurous or you know like basically all the things that I am mm-hmm. and so when we we ended up meeting she was like I manifested you I was like yeah yeah I manifested <laughs> you and so, the the one thing that's um, that's coming up for me to mention here is so so she's um, almost leading the way on a lot of this stuff in, in terms of her knowledge and experience. But she did something for me, or she told me about something for that that she has has done for me ever since we met, which was it it touched me very deeply. <clears throat> And when, when we orgasm together, she said one, you know, this was like just a, just a few months ago, she said, you know, that I'm sending out your deepest desires to the universe to manifest them. Um, like, and I'm, I'm using the power of orgasm to, to call what you want into existence. And I was like, holy shit, that's like the nicest thing you could ever do for somebody is just like, make their dreams come true through, through sex. And, um, she never, you know, she never said, I'm, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing this for you, uh, until years later. But she's like, I've been doing it the whole time, every time we have sex. And, uh, it just blew me away. You know, that's like, that's, that's next, this next level magic, but it's also such, such caring. And, uh, yeah, it meant a lot to me.
3: Yeah.
1: That's cool. That's what Monique, Monique was on our show, Monique Hall, and She was telling us her and her husband yell out what they want during orgasms, remember? <laughs> <laughs> They'll be like, Man- manifest a million dollars.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. It's tough to remember sometimes.
2: Right? What you're In supposed to a be. moment, you're like. <laughs>
3: okay, mm. so that's something that anybody could do. Or is she just special in that way?
0: yeah I I, I wasn't aware that you could sort of harness uh, the power of orgasm but orgasms open a portal essentially um, and then you can you can do stuff when you have an open portal <laughs> <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> well the same the same hormonal chemicals that come up from um, orgasm also are found when breastfeeding and, and meeting in women's circles so I guess you could probably do the same thing. If you're mm. if you're doing those things, which you you would only be able to do the orgasms, Derek.
0: <laughs> that's really that's cool about the uh, in women's circle. That's something I had heard before.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's um it's oxytocin. Oxytocin is produced, um, and I'm sure there's mm. other there's like probably other things not just women's, but um that's what I've known about it. And then what about what about the one um, the inner smile technique? What is that?
0: Yeah, this is a this is a fairly new one, which is super simple to practice. I think it takes you know five minutes. Um, this is a Taoist technique that I learned from Tyler Ellison, and uh, it's a way of building chi in the body, so strengthening the biological system. Uh, when you have strong chi built up, you can do um, you know stronger astral projection or Uh, you can have more stable lucid dreams or, you know, there's any number of things or it can help fight off an infection. Um, and I really like this inner smile technique because I, I was, I was trying to do something like that before I learned the technique. I was trying to just, you know, look at everything with sort of a, a joyful appreciation for it, whether it's, you know, my garden or this computer or whatever it is, just, sort of having a sort of permeating gratitude um, for, for whatever it was that that was right in front of me. And uh, the inner smile technique is, is sort of you look inside of your own body and you sort of say, uh, thank you to each organ. So starting at the top and working your way down uh, you know, the digestive tract, the, uh, nervous system and then all the other supporting organs, the kidneys and the spleen and the adrenals and all those things. And, you know, doing some visualizations like warm honey and and you can actually feel, I can feel uh, if I'm focusing my attention on the adrenals, for example, and I am just sending them love and appreciation and that warm honey sensation. Like I, I didn't have the, the skill before to sort of pick out my internal organs and what they felt like individually. And it's still kind of hard for me to do, but, but with this, I can sort of feel each one becoming healthier and more relaxed and, um, you know, just optimal functioning. And um, it's just, yeah, it's just such a, such a lovely practice to take care of your body by giving each organ gratitude one at a time.
3: Oh, I really like that. Me too. Eden, <laughs> when I come
1: when I come over tomorrow, we'll practice. Yes.
0: <laughs> it sounds like you have tried this before.
1: Similar. I have not, not that exact way of doing it. So I like mm. that. Yeah. Yeah. I just I just heard of doing um like like the Buddhist monks say to do breathing and smiling like regularly. Just breathe and smile and it really helps you kind of get back into that, you know, inner peace place, no matter what's going
3: on around you. Yeah, well, we'll have to try the other, um, all of it, the the other one too. You and yeah. I, <laughs> not the, not the
1: tantric section. That's what I'm
3: talking about. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding, yeah. everyone. I'm kidding.
1: Okay, in, in the women, in the women's circle way.
3: <laughs> uh, we're making him choke. <laughs> um. Uh, okay. So with all that you do, what feels the most truthful and on purpose for you?
0: Well, that's a good question. Uh, I don't have a, I don't have an easy answer for you, but I'm by nature sort of endlessly curious. And so I've set things up for myself in a way where you know obviously i've done 57 or i think we're 58 experiments now and some of them i just try uh you know i put 10 hours into them and i'm like oh that was interesting and i sort of let them go but other ones have become a daily practice for mm. for years you know my my dream practice <laughs> is a huge focal point of my life <clears throat> you know i every night i'm setting up my dream time every morning i'm writing down and analyzing them. And I'm using dream time for a purpose, you know, whether that's to practice manifestation or gain business insights or, you know, process different things. Um, so it's, it's great to have the opportunity for things to stick. Right. And I think, uh, most people can probably benefit from viewing, uh, let's, let's put it this way, optimizing their life for experiments. And so if you try, you know, a hundred new things in the course of a few years, some of them are going to be really great fits for, for you. And you're going to, uh, it's going to make your life better. And yeah. then the rest of them, you might be like, oh, that was kind of a waste of time or dumb, or I didn't like it. But, uh, now, you know, and so there's almost no risk to, to being such a, you know, broad experimentalist. And uh, you know, when you find something like like me with <clears throat> Dreamtime, for example, and, and you then you can devote years or decades to a practice and become a master, then you have a totally different type of opportunity. The opportunity of the master is to experience something that that almost no one will will get to when you become you know top 1% or 0.01% in the world there's a whole realm of experiences available, uh, to you on on that as well.
2: Mm. Yep.
1: Yeah. What I love too, is that you are on purpose in that you seem like you love everything you do, which is hard to say for most people. (laughs) The cool thing is like, I always try to tell people like it is possible, you know, you just have to kind of work on eliminating and lessening things that aren't a hundred percent for you and keep on, you know, you can get to where you love everything you do. And so with that, what about like outside of the stuff that you do for your purpose, your career, uh, just on the side for letting go and fun and your, your kids, you know, that kind of thing, what really makes you feel on fire on purpose, that kind of thing with passion.
0: (laughs) Um, Well, being a, being the the best dad is really important to me, and um, one of the one of the areas that I'm focusing on for that is is to sort of be fully present. And also, when we're talking about time, like have have something where I'm not gonna rush the kids to do something else. Like, if it means playing in a puddle for an hour and a half, then. <laughs> Can I challenge myself to, you know, because a lot of times I'll, uh, my focus will drift somewhere else and I think, oh, I could be going and doing something productive right now, or I could, uh, maybe I should get these kids home for dinner and just, you know, this happened last week. We had a a thunderstorm and we spent an an hour at least on this puddle and (laughs) I was really, I was really tempted to take them home. And then we spent another hour blowing dandelions and- Giving, being right there with them and being present and playing in the puddle and blowing the dandelions, um, is kind of, it's a challenge for me to have that focus. Um, and it's such a, it's such a gift to be fully present with someone for so long and just let them direct how things are going to be. Um, so yeah, I, I really, I really got a lot out of, out of that. And, um, I also... I get a lot out of um, we do different types of storytelling together. We do um, what could be like improv storytelling, where we're acting out stories, and we do dance storytelling, mm. where we'll play some dance music and then tell a story about the dance, and then become the the animals or the characters, which is really fun. And then we do you know we do a series of stories, like a multi part series stories at bedtime. So we always like get to a point where it's like, okay, to be continued. And we bring hmm. in characters and, and we, you know, we do the sound effects and it's, you know, that's oh. really a blast. So okay. uh, three and five, Aww. Oh, yeah, oh, fun,
1: fun ages.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's fantastic. You know, I, I always assumed I would be a dad and didn't do anything on purpose to make it happen. Uh, again, it just sort of uh, allowed it to to come through. And um y- you know, I feel I feel well suited uh to to being a dad. <laughs>
3: <laughs> nah, yeah, you that's, are. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so switching gears when you're trying to do something like telepathy, telekinesis meditation, and you have um you have to stop trying this, oh, this is something that you said, I believe. Yeah. This, okay. This was validated by um, your brainwave training is what you said. This works with manifesting as well. When you're applying force, it cuts off the flow. Okay. Um, one. And the next one you said is uh, there's a tremendous power in just being without doing and your being beingness can have a greater impact than doing. So these are very deep concepts uh, that we both found very intriguing um that and they work well um can you explain to everybody how how you go about this like what does this really mean cuz it's deep it's very yeah deep. so let's
0: take uh telekinesis right moving an object with your mind uh of which it's uh it's been pretty well studied it's um independent of time and space so they've done studies where people can spin a wheel across the globe, uh, you know, two independent laboratories and two universities. Someone is focusing on spinning a, a wheel and it spins, um, measured, you know, isolated from, from all of their sort of Newtonian forces. So it's, it's been proven to be possible, but the, it takes a, a certain brainwave state, uh. So if it's the theta range state where you have to be you know, sort of a semi-meditative daydreaming type of state uh, in order to be able to do it, but it takes such a very soft touch. You have to have um, sort of a strong intention, but um, not, not be entangled in the outcome. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can measure this. <laughs> on, uh, in, in when you put on one of those electrode hats, and you can see when you're trying to force something, when you're trying too hard, yeah. it actually messes up the coherence of the brain waves. And so, you, you can train yourself to have just sort of a, a very detached, uh, intention. And, it, you know, again, this is something that my wife does really well. We had at the science museum, we, we put on these hats, and it was a game. And you have to try to knock a, a puck across the, it was like ice hockey with brain waves, really, really cool game. But the person that won had to have the most um, sort of calm and coherent brain waves. And I was like, Ooh, I'm going to win this. And that mindset <laughs> right there will, uh, will take you out of the game. And so it was like, boom, she won instantly. I was like, damn it. Oh I was like, God. okay. So I was like, okay, let's play again. And then, so we're playing and I'm like, okay. Don't think, don't think, don't think, be calm. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm.
3: But then you're telling yourself not to think, makes you <laughs> think, and yeah. yeah.
0: so again, she beats me right away. And then finally, I get to a place where we're even, where I'm calm and she's calm, and then I see the graph, and I'm like, I'm doing it, this is amazing, and then ah! boom. It takes you, it take me right out again. So It's, it's
1: like getting into ego.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's so tricky. Um, But this is something that you can practice, uh, you know, it's nice to have some feedback in your meditation. Um, so this is what, you know, neurofeedback can help you with among other things. And, uh, we're, yeah, so then you can train that state. So then it becomes much easier for you to, to actually do something like telekinesis.
1: Um, have you done it though? Like for real, like where you make something move?
0: I have the, the simple way is what's called a psi wheel. And many of the scientifically validated experiments use this method. So it's essentially a pointy thing with a bit of foil on the top. And so it's uh, such a light object that it doesn't require a lot of uh, it doesn't require a lot to get it into momentum. And then you can put it inside of a jar or something like that so there's no wind. Um, so at first you practice, you can practice with the wind. and. The, the way that you wanna practice is to sense what it's like for that wheel, what it's like to be the wheel.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: so that you know what it's like for the wheel to be spinning. And then you can sort of sync or harmonize your experience with the experience of the wheel. So it's like you're spinning yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. Eden, another thing to try tomorrow: <laughs> Tooth, a toothpick with aluminum foil. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, you could. Anybody can Google this. It's it's super easy to set up. Okay. Yeah, I'll have it ready. And I do this with my kids. I have them try it. You know, because it's fun. You know,
1: but that what you just explained with with that really applies. To life and everything and illness and what you were talking about earlier just with with projects that you want to get off the ground and things like that like if you have a force and you need it desperately it's not going to work because there's this block and there's force but then you relax without trying to relax (laughs) you just let go and go okay whatever it's kind of like it's kind of like I remember wanting to get pregnant so bad and then Mm -hmm. finally I went you know what if it happens in the next two years, whatever. And then within a month I got pregnant. (laughs) And so it's like, you have to really let go, but you still have the intention that you want it, you know? So it's such a weird paradox.
3: It's having the desire without an attachment. Yeah.
0: That's a great example, Kim. And I I think that happens so often, especially with pregnancy, because there's so much even pressure from all different places around it. And with Mm -hmm. dating... Yeah, with mm-hmm. dating and with money and all this stuff where there's all this pressure, societal yeah. and, and whatnot. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, can be tricky.
1: Yeah, I'm glad I'm done with that part. Even you too. <laughs> <laughs> no,
3: I <laughs> we can't. Yeah.
1: We don't have that pressure anymore. Um, okay, well, so what, this is kind of another one that I feel is interesting um, for you. What is your all-time favorite quote?
0: uh this is a, it's actually a misquote, which is which I found it out because I was talking with a guy. the quote got famous for being a misquote. So <laughs> the the misquote that you might have heard is an it's attributed to Einstein and it's uh, we cannot solve a problem at the same level of consciousness that it was created. <laughs> so I was interviewing uh, Arjuna Arda and he wrote this book, Radical Brilliance and he said, I misquoted Einstein. I I had written it wrong in my book and then someone took it from my book and it became a meme and he was like, and it's, it's great. It's very useful because it helps you think it it helps one apply a sort of an assessment of, am I trying to solve a problem at the same level it was created? So, okay, there's a problem where our government is doing something we don't like, are you trying to fix it by the government? Well, that's the exact, you know, you're, you're trying to apply the same thinking that got you into the mess in the first place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you're trying to apply a higher level of consciousness, then you might uh, instead get a women's group and meditate about it together instead.
1: Right. Mm. And what's so the wait? what's the real, do you remember what the real quote is?
0: No, I, I don't. It was, it's, it's uh similar, but, um, the meaning is the same, but the, the words were totally different.
1: Right. Okay. It's probably our old, old fashioned language.
0: Yeah. And and Einstein was basically, um, embedding in that concept, um, that there are different levels of consciousness. He was basically saying, you you know, um, it's about where, where our awareness is and that there's there's different levels that you can access.
3: Right. Which is Crazy. true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to wrap this up. And can you just share with us how people can find you? And also, how do you work with people?
0: Sure. Thank you. Yeah. Derek and Derek Loudermilk on all the socials. And um, right now I've got a mastermind for spiritual thought leaders and healers, uh, that are in the middle of launching that's called the league of superconductors. So, um, that's probably the most apropos for, for the folks listening. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited. I have been sort of called to serve spiritual teachers and healers, uh, because I I feel like that's one of the greatest leverage points, uh, to, to change things right Mm -hmm. now.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love it. That's yeah. great. We yeah, need I that love that right now. Groups. <laughs> so totally. Well, thank you so much. It was really great. to. It felt like we were just hanging out and learning from you. So thank you for for speaking all of our language and, um, you know, stuff that needs to really be talked about and shared and spread around right now in the world more than ever.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was fun.
1: Yeah. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye. Thanks, everyone.
3: Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to Talk Purpose and Truth
0: Podcast. Find out more at TalkPurposeAndTruth.com and follow us at Talk Purpose Truth on Instagram and Facebook.